DiscerningHearts.com presents Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett. In this particular series of episodes, Donna discusses with Father James Perez The Way of Trust and Love, a retreat guided by St. Therese, written by Father Jacques Philippe. John Paul II has said, The little way is the way of spiritual childhood. This way contains something unique that is a part of the genius of St. Therese of Lisieux. At the same time, it holds a confirmation and a renewal of the most fundamental and universal truth. For what truth of the gospel message is more fundamental and universal than this? That God is our Father and we are His children. We now begin Fountains of Grace with Donna Garrett. Proverbs 9.1.6 Wisdom has built her house. She has set up her seven columns. She has dressed her meat and mixed her wines. Yes, she has spread her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the heights out over the city. Let whoever is simple turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, I say, come eat my food and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness that you may live. Advance in the way of understanding. For me, your days will be multiplied and the years of your life increased. So we have discussed at length St. Therese's love of Scripture and the fact that it was one of the uh, great foundations of her holiness. And I thought it's worth sharing with our listeners that St. Therese herself did not own a complete Bible. But as a Carmelite, the sisters live in poverty, and it was unheard of that a young girl would have access to an entire Bible at that, at that time in history. As it was, Therese had a sister named Celine who remained at the family home and cared for their elderly father. And it was Celine who was able to purchase an entire Bible, and she copied passages that she found particularly beautiful and sent them to Therese. And it was through one of these passages that Celine gave to Therese that inspired in her the little way. That passage is from Proverbs 9, 1 to 6. Whoever is very little... Let him come to me. Therese then adds the well-known verse from Isaiah 66, 9 to help define her way. As a mother caresses her child, so I will comfort you. Therese says, Never had such tender, melodious words come to rejoice in my soul. The elevator that would lift me up to heaven is your arms, O Jesus. So, Father, I wanted to touch on something here regarding sharing the faith in a personal way with other people. Because in America especially, we tend to think of our faith as private and that what we do um, within our home is private and what we do outside of our home is public. But if Celine had not continued to share her love of Scripture, if she had not taken the time to copy down Scripture passages and give them to Therese to read, Therese herself may not have arrived at such incredible insights into holiness. So I thought we could just take a moment to talk about Um, our role in living out our faith? I think we need to remember that faith is a gift. And just because it's a gift, the essence of faith is to be be shared, to be given to others. 
So we cannot, as you say, that make that distinction that, well, at home, this is private. When I go outside, this is public. So then I can keep this gift for myself. But that's not the way even Christ himself called his disciples to go out, to go out into the world and to preach, to make sure that this gift was brought to others. So I think this is something that we need to really remember in our own lives uh, to really make sure that they, we bring the essence of our faith to others, to make sure that I, when I say, I believe, that it really um, is a transforming experience in our own lives. That it's not just I believe in God and I keep it very personal, but I make sure that in all the actions and everything that I do in, at work, at, at school, um, with my uh, work, my companions at work, with everybody, that I share the gift uh, of, of my faith. I think sometimes, though, we are afraid um, of what the consequences of this. Well, uh, well, you know, um, but all of us have been called by baptism you know, to, to go and to preach, to go and to be those ministers of God's word. So we, can, we shouldn't be afraid, but remember, God has given us you know that the the Holy Spirit that we have within us to to bring about this um, this great apostolate of bringing the faith uh, to others. So we shouldn't be afraid um, because it's a gift, and it's a gift that we cannot keep to ourselves, but it's a gift that we need to share to others. The fact that we can't save ourselves is something we acknowledge in words, but in fact we find it very hard to accept. We'd all like to be saved from our own efforts, to be strong and robust, to boast about our own successes, to shine in other people's eyes, even on the spiritual level. Worldly people want to be highly regarded because they have luxurious cars, expensive watches, designer clothes, professional prestige, and go around with beautiful people. As good Christians, we want to stand out for our virtues, charisms, experience, and sound judgment. Then we consider we are on the right path. But in fact, we are in danger of ending up with the same mindset as the worldly people described above. Very often without realizing it, we have a worldly outlook on the spiritual life, self-fulfillment, self-affirmation, expansion of ego, etc and spiritual pride, we must be aware, is sometimes more destructive than social worldly pride. We cannot be saved by what we do. We can only be saved by grace when God's freely given love takes hold of us and transforms us, sometimes gently and progressively, but sometimes in a spectacular way. In general, the transformation is fairly slow and progressive without our always being able to notice the action of grace. So in the book, The Way of Trust and Love, Father Philippe moves into describing the inner attitudes of the heart that makes us permeable to God's grace, attracting it in small yet steady ways, not because we can manipulate God, but because he is so attracted to humble hearts. He can't help but pour his grace upon them. Father Philippe quotes from Therese's letters an answer to the question posed by her sister Pauline in August of 1897, just shortly before she died. 
And she asked her what she understood by remaining little before God. And she answered, It is to recognize our nothingness, to expect everything from God as a child expects everything from his or her father. It's not getting worried or upset about anything. I think Father Philippe does a beautiful job of providing the readers with the difference between human and divine consolations when he shares the temptation that, that Therese had to become too attached to her mother superior. So I wanted to take a moment to talk about humility and to talk about the temptations that we have to, to place our attachments on other people and other things as opposed to God. Well, I think this can bring us to a beautiful, important aspect in our spiritual life, which is the, the important detachment. And, um, and I think St. Ignatius of Loyola in the spiritual exercises uh, during the part of the principle of foundation reminds us about the use of creatures. And he says that we need to use, use the creatures not as an a end in themselves, but as means to an end. And I think this is, a, obviously, this is extremely wise uh, in order to grow in our spiritual life in this path towards holiness. And I remember once reading from uh, Father uh, Harden, a beautiful kind of division of the use of creatures that I think could be very useful uh, for our listeners. Is he says that um, there are certain creatures that God wants us to enjoy. You know, there's friendships, there's prayer, uh, there could be a good meal, you know, and we have to enjoy those creatures that God gives us because God has given to us so as to bring us closer to him. Then there are other creatures that God wants us to endure, and those could be like suffering, or there are relationships, or even life circumstances that maybe um, we don't look for them, and we don't desire them, but those are those creatures that God wants us to endure, and when we endure those creatures, then they bring us closer and closer to Him. Then there are other creatures that God wants us to remove. And obviously, there's anything in our lives that could lead us to sin. So I think it's a very important for us to real to see in our own lives what are those things that are leading me to sin. So those are the creatures that God really wants us to remove right away because they're not bringing me to him. And then there's a fourth type of creature which is very, very important. A father hardened me. I think for me this is a very beautiful reflection. He says that God, uh, there are creatures that God wants us to surrender. This is very different from removing and surrendering. To remove are those things that lead us to sin, but to surrender it is those creatures that are they are not bad in themselves, so they don't lead me to sin, but that God wants me in one sense to sacrifice. He wants me to give to him so that I can grow closer to him. So this has something something very beautiful. Um, but remember, all the use of creatures in that detachment of all those things so that a God can become the center uh, of my life. This also reminds me that uh, we all know Cardinal Van Tuan, how he was a, a bishop in Vietnam, and he was imprisoned after he became a bishop. And um, he was there, I believe, for 25 years in prison. 
and he really wanted to be he was he was a great apostle he wanted to to go and to his diocese and visit the the parishes and do good to people and then he was in prison and he became very in one sense angry with God and say how is this possible I have given my life to you I have become a bishop you have chosen me and here I am in prison unable to do anything and he says that in his prayer one time God spoke to him saying remember that is is not about the works of God but it is about God it's not about what you do but the things that you do is about me, about God. I think in our own lives too, when God becomes the center of everything that we do, then that's, that's truly our true attachment, to be attached to God. And that's really what is going to give meaning to everything that we do in our lives. Those are two um, very good, very good examples of um, of holy men who've lived detachment. And it, it made me think of also that sometimes in the married life, we place um, we place a lot of our desires and our um, hopes, or we place a lot of of thing responsibility on our spouses for our happiness. And in some instances, we attach too much to our spouses because they are human beings and they will let us down. And sometimes when that happens, we we can lose faith and we can become discouraged. And I think that what Therese learned was that there's a, a proper order to the love of human beings that should not be attached to the order for the love of God, that God has to supersede that. And although, yes, we love other people, we have to understand that they their love in return of us will never be on the same plane as the divine love. Actually, if um, if you remember, there's another book about uh, from Father Jacques Philippe um, that speaks about the three axles of love: um, in the uh, love for God, love for your neighbor, and love for yourself. And how those three love there is like a tripod, you know, that they need to work together. You, when you have a tripod to take a picture. In order for the picture to come out straight and balanced, eh, all those three legs, they need to be balanced. So there has to be a balance between my love for God, my love for my neighbor, and my love for myself. Um, but at the end, really, our the only one that can really give meaning to all my love is God, because God is love. So whenever we based all our love, our human love, even our own self-love, because we need to have a self-love. But when it does found it on, on the true love of God, then our really our lives finds that balance that gives us that interior peace that we all are looking and searching for. St. Therese writes, So I've always stayed little, having no other occupation than of picking flowers, the flowers of love and sacrifice, and offering them to God for His pleasure. Being little means attributing to ourselves the virtues we practice, or believing ourselves capable of anything, but recognizing that God places this treasure in the hands of this little child, so she can use it when she needs it. But the treasure is still God's. It means not being discouraged by our faults, 
because children often fall over. But they are so very little, they don't hurt themselves badly. So in expounding on these thoughts of Therese, Father Philippe reminds the reader that soul-seeking spiritual perfection ought not to be focused on extraordinary feats and grandiose deeds, but on the day-to-day acts of love which we offer freely to God, because He is God. And at the same time, recognizing that our ability to offer these acts of love is a gift itself. So just as children fall in their attempts to grow up, we too fall in our attempts to grow in holiness. And St. Therese stresses the importance of not suffering discouragement when we fall, but to get back up again because children rarely are injured when they fall. So I thought we could dive deeper into the attitudes of the heart that dominate the way the way of St. Therese. And I really wanted to talk about the role that discouragement plays in the life of the soul. At the beginning of uh, Pope Francis' um, pontificate, when he talked to the cardinals, he said something very beautiful that I think is kind of key for his uh, papacy. He said, let us never yield to pessimism or discouragement, to that bitterness that the devil offers us every single day. And then in one of his catechisms, he says, I believe this is the one during Easter time, he says, never give into discouragement. Ours is not a joy that arises from possessing many things. Rather, it comes from having met a person, Jesus, who is among us. So, we see it therefore how important it is not to allow discouragement to really come into our hearts because discouragement does not allow grace to really penetrate our souls and do what it's supposed to do. Actually, we just... We, Obviously, grace can do its work, but we are not allowing it because we are allowing discouragement and fear and lack of trust in God's love. So how can we grow in our spiritual life if we are not allowing God's love to really penetrate? It's impossible. So that's why we never, never allow discouragement into our hearts. And I think there is a passage in the Gospel that would really help us understand this very, very well. And that's uh, the two disciples of Emmaus. These two disciples, they were, they were with Christ, m- most likely for three years. They saw the miracles. They experienced the love of Christ. They heard him preaching. So they really knew Christ. But all of a sudden, Christ died on the cross. And with that death on the cross, he died their own hopes. And that's why they were going back to their hometown. And they were walking by and they were extremely discouraged. And so much so that they could not even recognize Christ on the way. And how many times in our own spiritual life that's the same way? We are so discouraged that we don't even see Christ. We don't see Christ in our neighbor. We don't even see Christ in prayer. We don't even see Christ in the Eucharist. You know, the the gospel says their eyes were prevented from recognizing him because that's what discouragement does. And then we also see how when Christ comes, um, he asks them, what are you discussing along the way? And they say, they stop looking downcast. And he says, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem 
who does not know the things that have taken place these days? And Jesus says, what sort of things? The things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, before God and men, how our, the chief priests and rulers uh, hand him over to and sentence of death and crucify him. And then here is the key. But we were hoping. We were hoping that he was going to be the Savior, the Messiah. But no longer. Our, their hopes vanished. But then Christ comes into their lives. And he opened their hearts to the scriptures. And they came to understand the scriptures. And what we talked before about how important is going back to the scriptures. This is what Christ did in their hearts. He opened the scriptures to them and he made them realize it had to be this way. Because God wanted to show you how much he loves you. So opening the scriptures. You know. And then through the Eucharist, they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. So there, here we find how the Eucharist and the scriptures could be a great source of courage, a great source of peace in our own lives in the midst of so much discouragement. So that's why we should never, never allow discouragement in our spiritual life because it's telling God, I do not believe in your love for me. For the Christian, making progress means lowering oneself on the road of humility in order to allow God's love to emerge and be clearly seen. This was the central focus of Pope Francis's homily on the Feast of the Annunciation. This way of Christian humility rises up to God as those who bear witness to it stoop low to make room for charity. So it is always with God's love, says Francis, that in order to reach us, it takes the way of humility. Let us ask God for the grace of humility. He prayed that humility, which is the way by which charity surely passes, for if there is no humility, love remains blocked. It cannot go. St. Therese says, For me, prayer is a surge of the heart. It is a simple look turned toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, 2559, states that prayer is a raising of one's mind and heart to God, or the requesting of good things from God. But when we pray, do we speak from the height of our pride and will, or out of the depths of a humble and contrite heart? He who humbles himself will be exalted. Humility is a foundation of prayer. So I wanted to focus this part of our conversation on the inner attitudes that Father Philippe believes are necessary for us to cultivate in order to attract God's unfailing grace. And those attitudes are of humility and trust, living in the present moment, love and gratitude. So I thought we could begin by sharing why humility is the foundation stone for building a spiritual life. Well, we have to remember that Sin came into the world through the sin of pride. So therefore salvation came into the world through the virtue of humility. I mean, we have Adam and Eve, and then we have the new Adam and the new Eve. 
Learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Here I am, Lord. I have come to do your will, Christ said. And then Mary, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to thy word. So it is in our spiritual life that humility is the mother of all virtues. Without humility, it is impossible to grow in any other virtue. We know that humility comes from the Latin, which means soil or the earth. So in our spiritual life, we can imagine our soul like a good soil, the soil that is there. And then throughout our lives, we, we kind of put out the seeds of the virtues. But without the good soil, those seeds will never grow. Impossible. It is impossible that we need that. Obviously, God's grace is the water. God's grace is the, the sun that gives the heat for the virtues to grow because obviously we cannot do anything without God's grace. But we need the soil, the good soil, in order to grow in our spiritual life. And that this is the virtue of humility. And remember that humility, in one sense, is very simple because humility is allowing God to be God in my life. How many times in our own spiritual life, we the problem that we have is that we try to control everything. We try to, um, to control um, the way we pray. We try to control the way uh, our own spiritual program. And we never allow God to be God in my own life. So, and I think it's important and this requires a great dependence on God. We live in a society that is a great, uh, a lot of individualism, a lot of relativism. So we, we have that tendency of thinking that I can do everything by myself. When I do that in the spiritual life, then it's impossible to grow. It is through the, the grace of God and making sure that I have that good soil of humility, that all those other virtues uh, will able to flourish in my own spiritual life. And I don't know if this is a, a good time. Um, I think you mentioned here the different attitudes about humility, trust, living in the present moment. Obviously, it will be take too long to speak all of them, but I think it's important to mention one of them that is also is the present moment. For me... Be, Together with humility, living in the present moment is essential. Why? Because living in the present moment is really trusting and depending in God. Because many of our, um, of our, a lot of our time we worry so much about the past and about the future and we forget about the today of, um, of our spiritual life, um, and this is so so important. Maybe maybe we can expand a little bit afterwards. But I think together with humility, living in the present moment, uh, it is essential. You've been listening to Fountains of Grace: Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett. In this particular series of episodes, Donna has been joined by Father James Perez discussing The Way of Trust and Love, a retreat guided by Father Jacques Philippe. To hear and or to download this episode along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. Join us next time for Fountains of Grace, 
Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett.